Good morning, church family and ministry friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our online internet around the world church service. Praise the Lord. I'm so happy that you're here. And I want to invite you to grab your Bibles because God's Word is able to build you up to do what He has called you to do and also to develop you to become the person that He has called you to be, which is the mature image of Christ Jesus reflected in your life. Praise God. Let's take our Bibles and go to Luke chapter 16. Let's look just for a moment at verse 10. We're going to receive the tithes and offerings. We're going to bring them into the storehouse of God. And as we do so, we want our hearts to be in an attitude of faith and worship and illumination concerning God's good plan for our finances. Luke chapter 16, verse 10, he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? Now, I want you to notice the phrase of what Jesus said, who will commit to your trust the true riches? Who will commit to your trust? So, we need to always view kingdom wealth not as an achievement, but rather as an entrustment. Would you please just say that today? Kingdom wealth, please say it out loud, say kingdom wealth is not an achievement, it's an entrustment. Woo, praise the Lord. Who will commit to your trust? Who will commit to your trust the true riches? And God wants to entrust you with kingdom wealth, not so that we can say, praise God, I'm a millionaire. I made it to the millionaire bracket, and now I can go out and spend it all on myself. No, it's not an achievement. It's an entrustment. And yes, God understands that a portion of that is for yourself. But my friends, the reason that the Lord views it as an entrustment is because God's financial resources are primarily entrusted for the promoting of His kingdom. Again, God's financial resources are primarily entrusted for the promotion of His kingdom. Now, we see this very clearly in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Many of you could quote this verse, which says, the words of Christ, but seek first the kingdom of God. So we seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. So in order for us to become the financial giants on the inside and have that come alive, we must be big time kingdom dreamers. Woo, praise the Lord. Now, when we identify a cause within the kingdom and invest in it with delight, we access God's favor, God's blessing, and that makes us triumphant even in areas where other Christians would struggle or be financially frustrated at. Why? We have a heart for the kingdom of God, and we put that first, and because we are in that divine order, all of these other things that the world is just greedy and grasping to get, and wants so desperately, they just work their way into our lives in a very pleasant way, and we have abundance. So, we identify a cause within the kingdom, and we invest in it with delight. 
praise the Lord. So the bigger your kingdom dream, the larger will be the coast of your financial blessing. Mm -hmm. Think about that. The bigger your kingdom dream, the larger the coast of your financial blessing. Praise God. My wife and I sat down uh, just a couple of days ago with the owner of a Christian television station, and we are on that station, which is a network, and uh, we're broadcasting on Sunday mornings the Pure Gold message as well as during other times of the week, and it reaches millions of people. It's a very powerful uh, Christian ministry. And we sat down with the owner, a dear woman of God, and her son-in-law, who is a, uh, uh, like he's just a total whiz when it comes to the area of telecommunications, when it comes to satellites, when it comes to the latest cutting-edge technology that can be utilized to preach the gospel. And we sat there for an hour, Kelly and I, just talking with this man, getting his wisdom, getting his insights on the most effective ways today to preach the gospel to the nations of the world in the most cost-effective measure. And there are ways where you could spend very easily several hundred thousand dollars. That would have been the way that it would have been done maybe two decades ago. But there are ways today where for thirty or $35,000, you can get the same impact, the same coverage. Why? There are new types of technology that are available. Some of it is so new that uh, uh, it had, some of it has not even been released to what we would call some of the larger media institutions. And this is some of the new bonding technology. And this gentleman is already involved in that. They already have patents. They already have hardware. They've already sold uh, some of this hardware equipment to uh, some government and state uh, agencies. And it's really amazing of what it can do to speed the message. Even real-time meetings with no buffering, not even five seconds buffering, By the way, this is why law enforcement has such an interest in some of these uh, products they have actually sold to hard, uh, excuse me, um, law enforcement companies, because if you have a helicopter uh, and they are tracking a a vehicle that is on the run and, you know, that vehicle is going 80 or 100 miles an hour trying to get away from the law, you have a helicopter on that, that helicopter can pick up a video signal and zoom in on that vehicle and send it through advanced levels of cellular bonding to the, uh, all of the different police cars that are involved in the chase and all of those officers with that monitor up seeing that vision can watch it in real time with no buffering. And so they know exactly what corner he's about to take. They know exactly where he's at. They can hit him off. It's amazing technology. And so when you are just thinking, what can we do Lord to further the gospel so that others can be saved and so that the church can be strengthened with, with your word? What can we do? My friends, when you have a heart for the kingdom, then wealth will always be in the midst of that. Praise God. We are talking about developing new apps for the ministry, Roku, Amazon Fire, and all of these other things we're going to begin to build out and implement. Why? To reach further. You have some people, they, they love television. They'll, they'll watch on television. We have others that, uh, that, that love the Internet. They'll, they'll watch me on, on the Internet. But there's also many other platforms, and we really want to broadcast the Word on as many platforms that are available. Praise God. Now, this is something that we see also throughout Scripture. 
And we see it very clearly in Exodus chapter 35, verse 4. And Moses spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel. In other words, he's speaking to the church, saying, This is the thing which the Lord commanded, saying, Take from among you an offering to the Lord. And so they all have an opportunity to give an offering or, as we would say, to invest into a kingdom initiative or kingdom project. Praise God. And look at verse 22. It gives an example of how many of them got involved. They came, both men and women, as many as had a willing heart. Now, this is very important to have a willing heart. And brought earrings and nose rings, rings and necklaces, all jewelry of gold. That is, every man who made an offering of gold to the Lord. Moses asked for various levels of giving. Gold. He said, we need gold. The Lord wants there to be gold offerings, silver offerings, bronze offerings. And then you had uh, other types of offerings that got into the areas of cloth and uh, very nice materials that would be used for the uh, the decorations, the curtains of the tabernacle, such as verse 23, and every man with whom was found blue, purple, and scarlet thread, fine linen, and goat's hair, red skins of rams and badger skins brought them. So you look at what you can do and you invest into the kingdom and to those kingdom initiatives that captivate your heart. And you say, I want to be a part of that. And my friends, there is, uh, there is a blessing of the Lord that will connect with your life because kingdom wealth is not an achievement. It's an entrustment. It's entrusted to those who really want to put God's kingdom first. And the first thing that we must always be involved in is the salvation of the souls of men and women. I like what uh, the famed evangelist T.L. Osborne said many years back when he was talking to a minister. And uh, this minister recorded and wrote this down. The minister uh, had T.L. Osborne ask him a question. The question was this, would you like to know how to become wealthy? And the minister said, tell me. T.L. Osborne said, get behind a man of God with a kingdom project and invest into it. In other words, you say, Lord, I have this business. Lord, I want to further your kingdom. So, oh God, let's work together. Father, bless my business so that I can sow, so that I can sow. Not just where I'm at right now and doing what I can do right now, but bring your increase so I can uh, give larger checks and I can give greater investments into that project that will bring forth eternal fruit. Woo, praise God. And again, even over in the book of Haggai, chapter 1, the same theme continues to play out. Verse 5, Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. And we need to, to consider what our motives are. We need to consider, do we really put the kingdom first? Or are we just all wanting to uh, expend it all on ourselves? <laughs> and it's very easy in a Western culture. Uh, in a materialistic Western culture to say, I have a heart for God, but we, we just consume all of our increase upon ourselves. So the prophet says, consider your ways. And he says, you have sown much and bring in little. And that's the case even for some of God's people. He's talking to the Israelites. You eat, but do not have enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves. But no one is warm. And he, watch this, he who earns wages, earns wages to put into a bag with holes. Mm -mm. Why? 
Why is this going on? They're not putting the kingdom of God first. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountains and bring wood and build the temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. You look for much. In other words, they're looking for their harvest. But indeed, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, says the Lord of hosts, because of my house that is in ruins, while every one of you runs to his own house. Therefore, the heavens above you withhold the dew, and the earth withholds its fruit. For I called for a drought on the land and the mountains, on the grain and the new wine and the oil, on whatever the ground brings forth, on men and livestock, and on all the labor of your hands." So if it's all a self-interest to be self-consumed, God withholds the beautiful harvest. But my friends, when you are connected with Matthew 6, verse 33, seeking first the kingdom of God, and you're thinking, God, what can I do to see your kingdom moved forward and men and women saved and the church strengthened, then God flips the switch and the harvest begins to come in. Praise the Lord. Now, speaking of projects, we have just completed Another project, thank you so much for your gracious giving. This is the parking lot uh, project. So let me pause just for a moment. I'm going to pop a video up on the screen uh, for you to watch. Some of the activity of the initial rollout of the equipment, uh, bringing the asphalt and uh, then smoothing it all out and uh, kind of going step by step and then the completion of it. So kick back for a moment, watch this short video, and I'll be right back. Well, praise the Lord. My friends, thank you for your giving. Thank you for your heart for God, because as you can see, that's not angels out there operating the equipment with big wings, and, uh, and you know, uh, that's not asphalt that's coming down out of heaven. These are men. This is a company. This is a business. And so we pay them. And it's because the Lord has blessed us with kingdom resources that we are able to make the house of God beautiful. Now, we know that we are the temple of the living God, but at the same time, the Lord doesn't want us to meet underneath the tree somewhere or stand out in the middle of the outdoors during wintertime and preach. We thank God that we can have a beautiful facility that brings Him glory and honor, and that also includes the parking lot. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your giving. The parking lot project is a wrap. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. By the way, we're also moving forward on other projects. Here's a quick picture of our, the primary entrance doors into the sanctuary. And those have been freshly sanded. They have been stained. Uh, they're going to go through four or five different coats. And uh, it's uh, already looking very, very beautiful. And uh, the doors are looking fantastic. Uh, we have quite a bit of carpentry work going on right now. As you can see a picture of uh, one of the carpenters, very, very busy working on the old railings. Uh, some of them got kind of rusty. They've been all taken down. New railings are being established. That will last a lot longer and also are stronger, praise God. And we also have replaced the old wooden doors on the fellowship hall with brand new commercial steel doors. Woo! They look better and they are certainly a whole lot stronger and more secure, praise God. My friends, thank you so much for your giving, for your love, for the, uh, the work of the Lord and for standing with us so that we can keep this place looking great. This facility was built uh, in 1877, and so we're sitting at 144 years old. Just think, 
In six years, if Jesus doesn't come back within the six years, six years from now, we will reach 150 years celebration of this facility. My wife and I, we have a, a, a notebook binder that's about that thick and uh, that's about two inches thick. And it has the legacy of every pastor that has every past that has ever pastored this church. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for the last 144 years, praise God. And uh, this has been a very busy place. You have to understand that Moravian Falls, back in the uh, early 1900s, was uh, pretty much, outside of New York City, the publishing capital of America and literally of the world. Now, if you come to Moravian Falls and see it today, you would never guess that. But this little place has an anointing uh, for kingdom assignment, uh, kingdom work all over it. And uh, we're just happy to be able to carry on our part and what God has called us to do. Hallelujah. And uh, it's very, very exciting. Thank you for standing with us. Now, Let's continue to be covenant practitioners of the Word of God. Let us walk in the financial covenant, and let us honor the Lord by bringing the tithes and offerings into the storehouse of God. Now, if you, if you would like to mail them in, please send them to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina, 28654. If you prefer to bring your tithes and offerings in online, you can do so from anywhere in the world. It's very safe and secure. We have people that bring their tithes and offerings in online from Australia, New Zealand, China, and North Carolina and South Carolina. So I'm just telling you it's set up so that no matter where you're at in the world, you can honor the Lord with your giving from wherever you're at. Praise the Lord. And so let's do that right now. Go to stephenbrooks.org. There's a link on the homepage that says give. It has a red heart on it. And you can click the red heart and then you'll see the category for the tithe. And you'll also see a category for some projects that we're working on right now. They're all kingdom projects. One you will not find anymore is the parking lot project. It's a wrap. Praise the Lord. Amen. Heavenly Father, bless your people. Bless your people, Father, with the heart for your kingdom. And I thank you that wealth, wealth, prosperity is falling upon their lives like the fresh dew from heaven. We thank you, Father God, for financial strength. We thank you for the greatest joy, which is seeing others that are lost come to Christ, receiving eternal life. Backsliders coming back home to you in repentance, being restored, and your holy people being built up in the, your strong word of wisdom. Father, we give you praise. Thank you. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Say, I am blessed. Woo, praise God. Yes, we are blessed to participate <laughs> in the work of the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, today I want to talk about developing unusual confidence. You could say this is certainly a quality of leadership, but my friends, God wants you to be a very confident person. I want to talk about what primarily instills confidence. Today we're going to launch from Hebrews chapter 10. Please meet me over there, Hebrews chapter 10, and let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we go into your word, we ask that your word would be illuminated by your Holy Spirit. We ask that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, spiritually, so that we can take your word and run with it and be blessed. Now, Father, we give you praise. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35. Therefore, 
do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. Now, he says, therefore, because that is bringing together a sum total of what he has previously been speaking about. And the Jewish Christians, uh, the Hebrew Christians, were under a great trial of their faith, much persecution, uh, really uh, being uh, uh, excluded in many ways from society because of their faith, being told that if you hold those beliefs, you can't have a job. If you hold those beliefs, we're going to take your house away from you. So they're facing many, many challenges. And so the writer says, therefore, do not cast away your confidence, your confidence, which has great reward. What is confidence when it's defined from a biblical New Testament perspective? Well, it can be defined as boldness, but really, when you dig, dig into it in the original Greek meaning, it, it means fearlessness. Wow. So an accurate New Testament trans, translation, and by the way, the Amplified Bible does say this, says uh, confidence that is fearless. Wow. Confidence that is fearless. Wow. Now, I think that we have uh, had a very high estimate of confidence. But my friends, we're, when you start to think about confidence that is fearless, wow, that really is something unusual. And that's what you're supposed to be walking in. Praise the Lord. Uh, years back, the Archbishop Benson Idahosa said, it is risky not to take risk. Again, he said, it is risky not to take risk. So my friends, you're going to take some risk, uh, but it is going to be blessed and there's going to be a reward because you're going to go into this with supernatural confidence. Praise God. And I believe that the reward, of course, will bring in many ways vindication. It will bring forth deliverance. It will bring forth full salvation, and it will bring forth the testimony that your trust in God, your confident trust in God has proven to be the winning recipe. Woo! Praise God. Now there could be uh, those that would scoff or mock and so forth. We, you know, we're just in a world that you're going to have people that are like that, but don't get rid of your confidence because it has great reward. Praise the Lord. So today we're talking about developing unusual, fearless confidence. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, what is the primary attribute that instills confidence? Think about that just for a moment. What is the main thing that could really infuse you with the fearless confidence? Excuse me while I get a drink of water. I want to tell you what it is. What is the primary attribute that instills confidence? Are you ready for it? It's being right. It's being right. And when you're right, and you know you're right, then it brings tremendous confidence. Now, before we go further with this, uh, this is very important that you know this and that you take this fearless confidence and that you wrap it around with Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. Ephesians 4, verse 15. Well, let me read verse 14 so we can understand the impact. It says that we should no longer be children 
tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ. Notice the phrase speaking the truth in love. You can be right. You could have great confidence that you're right. But if you don't speak that or communicate that in love, it could still be rejected. Not because it's, it's, it's wrong, because of the attitude in which it's being presented. So, while God wants you to walk in tremendous confidence in Him, even in what we would call the biblical uh, fearless confidence, my friends, God wants you to uh, wrap all of that in love, lest we be people that are arrogant, uh, thinking that we have all the truth. And, and remember, anytime you get into arrogance or pride like that, uh, just, you could just know for a fact that there's blindness, there's spiritual blinders always associated with pride. And uh, I have literally heard uh, some faithful members of certain Christian denominations say, we are the ones that have all the truth. I've, I've heard th those in one particular uh, denomination say it. I've heard others in another denomination. And one man said, we are the true custodians, the true custodians, uh, excuse me, custodians. <laughs> I guess he wouldn't use the word janitor. It doesn't sound this nice, right? We are the true custodians of, 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 of truth. We have all the truth. <laughs> <laughs> Look, anytime uh, somebody is doing something like that, you can just rest assured they're not walking in much truth at all. They may, they may know some things that are true, but uh, God on purpose will hold back uh, certain revelations, certain insights, because he'll always resist the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Praise God. So my friends, walk in this fearless uh uh, bold confidence, but make sure, make sure that you have that all undergirded with love, speaking the truth in love. And when you're trying to help somebody and you can see they're about to uh, go off the deep end or they're about to hit the wall and they, and they don't know it, uh, don't speak arrogantly to them. Um, let me say this also about the Jewish people that have rejected Christ as Messiah. There is a portion of that where some of that, uh, or all of that really has to happen because of what the apostle Paul taught in the book of Romans, where spiritual blindness has come upon them for a certain period of time. So they're actually, if you look at it, uh, from what Paul said, they're actually walking in biblical prophetic fulfillment by having spiritual blinders on them. So you don't just like blast them like, well, how come you can't see it? You're, you're just ignoring the scriptures. You know what Isaiah 53 really means. Uh, don't do that. Uh, share the truth in love because so often, even, even when they have rejected Jesus, he's still, he's actually still working towards them and still helping them. Even when they don't know it, even when they don't acknowledge it um, because they're, they're part of the family. See, I've got blood relatives who have rejected Christ. They don't know Jesus, but I have a special heart for them. Why? Because that's my, those are my blood relatives. So I want to see them saved. So I'll try to be nice to them and reach out to them as much as I can 
to honor the Lord, and because that's my family. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, I want to see all the world saved. Amen. But remember the Jews, Jesus is a Jew, though that's his flesh and blood. So he's concerned about them. He's concerned about the whole world. But I'm just saying he, he looks at that from a, you know, a family type perspective. And he wants them to, to hear the gospel. And of course, many still do receive Christ as the true Messiah. Uh, the Messiah is not coming. He's already, he's already been here. Yes, he will come back again, but he's, he's already been here. Praise the Lord. <laughs> but uh, so many don't believe that. And even, of course, when you're in Israel, it, it, when you take a tour in Israel, many of the Jewish guides, um, they know the Bible better, uh, even the New Testament better than many evangelicals. But that doesn't mean they have received Christ. And uh it has to come by revelation. So just be patient with them and, uh, and present the truth. How in love, mm -hmm. Woo, praise God. And that my friends is the best way to take that approach. Now, God wants you to have unusual confidence, praise the Lord. And confidence comes from being right. Praise the Lord. You know, there was a time, in human history, when Mariner said, don't sail too far east, because if you keep sailing, there's a place where the world uh, cuts off, and uh, because the world is flat, and if you go far, far enough, you're going to fall off the edge, and uh, we don't know where you're going to fall to, but uh, you're going to go off the, you're going to go off the end. Well, there were those that said, we don't believe that. <laughs> and by the way, the Bible teaches that the world is suspended in space. It teaches that the world is spherical, that it's round. And the Bible has already, has always had the science right. And so we stick with the word on those areas. But how many of you know that uh, for a mariner who understood that the world was round, they can, they can just keep on sailing. Because uh, you know, the threat is not falling off the edge of the world. The threat is, you know, hitting um, like some underground reefs or something like that you can't see. So they would just continue to go forward. This may sound a little odd, maybe a little bit weird, but it's true. In 1901, there were leading scientists of the day that got together in London, England, and they debated and talked and discussed about many subjects and at the foot, now this is only like a little over a hundred uh, years ago. Okay. They all got together in 1901 and they came up with some of the following conclusions. Number one, it is not possible to fly metal objects in the air. Think about that just for a moment. It is not possible to fly metal objects in the air. They'll never fly. Don't even try. <laughs> <laughs> right. Isn't that interesting? Well, how many of you know that the experts were proven wrong? Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Wow. They were proven wrong. Number two, their number two conclusion. It is not possible for any vehicle to move faster than 36 miles per hour without Whoever is within the vehicle choking to death. 
If they're in that vehicle and that vehicle goes over 36 miles per hour, you could kill that person because there's forces that will choke them. Mm. Isn't that wild? Well, how many of you in your vehicle today drove faster than 36 miles per hour? How many of you on a bicycle or a scooter went faster than 36 miles per hour? Mm -mm. Well, my friends, there were those that became barrier breakers because they had confidence in themselves and in God, and they moved forward despite what others said that they could not do. And in 1904, the Wright brothers right here in North Carolina, not too far from here, out on the beach on Kitty Hawk, they flew. They flew an airplane. And what does that say to us? It says that nobody has a monopoly on wisdom. You can't do this. Why? Well, because we said so. Well, you know, you, you don't have a monopoly on wisdom. So, my friends, you have to go with what God has called you to do with confidence. And the ten spies that returned from Israel, the ten said, we can't do it. And the two said, we can. And Caleb said, not only can we do it, let's go do it right now. Let's stop all the talking. Let's stop all debating. We can go do it right now. Woo! That's confidence. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. I tell you, I really believe that the Wright brothers were confident that they could fly. And isn't it interesting when you have experts, maybe even with the, you know, the three letter credentials attached to their name of higher education. And they say, you can't do it. You can't do it. It's always fascinating how, what is taking place, for example, here in uh, Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, where the Wright brothers are thinking we can do it. We can do it. Matter of fact, we're confident we can do it. And at the same time, over in Europe, you have a couple of other guys that are also thinking, yeah, this can be done. And they don't even know each other. They're separated by a couple thousand miles, but yet God is releasing the revelation, the understanding of the laws that govern flight, and men are beginning to unravel what has previously been a mystery. And it's, it's starting to happen around the world. So you've got a guys, you've got a couple brothers in North Carolina, you've got guys over in Europe. And so really there's actually technically debate about really who flew first and who was the inventor of flight because it's, it's, it's breaking loose all over. Why? People are throwing off constraints that have previously said you can't do this. They are confident that it can be overcome. And it has been. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> we've, we have overcome quite a bit by going from a place where we were told metal objects will never fly in the air. It's impossible to sending men to the moon and we're almost ready to send men to Mars. Mm -mm. All of this, all of this within a, a span of just a little over a hundred years. Pretty wild, isn't it? Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God. Confidence promotes excellence. That's why you need to be confident. Confidence promotes excellence. It takes our way of thinking. We could call it our mentality, and it helps us to become resourceful. And that's what confidence will lead towards. It, it promotes excellence, and then that it quickens our mentality, and then we end up becoming very resourceful people. In 1960, President John Kennedy 
announced, we're going to go to the moon and we're going to do it within this decade. Woo! It had never been done before. It had been thought of, but it was still like an imagination type thing. But he said, we're going to do it. And he tapped the chief engineer that was over all of the uh, uh, aeronautics and aviation division. Uh, and his name was Mr. Buck. That was the man that President Kennedy leaned on and said, you're going to have to get this done and get it figured out. So Mr. Buck sat down with his team of advisors and they realized that in order to get man to the moon and to overcome the gravitational pull and to overcome all of the unknown elements of space and get them to the moon and back safely, they identified, he primarily was able to identify 20 major obstacles that had to be overcome, not just one or two, 20. They all had to be overcome and they had never been overcome before. So what he did is he began to consult with companies that had some insight into those particular areas. And he assigned 19 different companies to tackle 19 of the different obstacles. And there was one obstacle that they still couldn't, they couldn't find anybody who could take it on. Guess who did? Mr. Buck himself. <laughs> Woo, hallelujah. He said, well, we've got 19 of the 20 knocked out. Looks like there's one for me. And so when it was all said and done, all 20 were eventually overcome. Praise the Lord. What is that? That's confidence. That is confidence that we can do this. We, we really can't do this. We're going to get it figured out and we're going to find a way to do it. Now, look, if you have a company, if you have a business, you as the leader need to be like that. And you need to, you need to infuse that into others, into your team, where there are those on the team that uh, when they, uh, when an assignment is given that they say, well, we may not really know how that we're going to do this. And it maybe has never even been done before, but we're going to get it done. So uh, thank you for the assignment. We're going to get back to you and we're going to go to work on it. And so out of these things around the world, we have all of these amazing things, whether it's the Apollo moon landings and all of the advanced science that came out of that. Everything today is really filtered from uh, what NASA had done. So now we have GPS and many other amazing things. Praise God. So we must be barrier breakers, but you can't do it unless you have uh, like a fearless confidence all out and all in. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And this, my friends, is, is, it's, a, it's a biblical principle. Let's go to Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 30. Isaiah 30. These things are in the Bible. Praise God. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 15. For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest, you shall be saved. Well, of course, if you've drifted away from the Lord, if, you've, if you're backslidden or something like that, it all begins by returning back to God, forsaking your idols, turning your back on sin, and returning back to the Lord, and then resting in the promises of God, the promise of forgiveness, the promise of cleansing. In returning and rest, you shall be saved. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength. Praise the Lord. There is strength in quietness and confidence. Again, there is strength that comes out of times of quietness and confidence. It makes you strong. 
It makes you strong. You need quietness and confidence. You can't have uh, all kinds of uh, chaos and noise. Now, you may be in an environment that is very loud where there's a whole lot going on and you've got to juggle things and you've got to manage all of that. But you're going to have to have times where you pull away and you get into your quiet place because it's in that place where the quietness and confidence produces the clarity to step into hectic environments and know how to regulate it, to know how to manage it, and to know how to get it done. And look, if you come, in the, if you come into places like that with like, oh, I don't know what to do, it's, it's over with before you even start. You have to have fearless confidence. And you get that by standing on truth, knowing what is right, knowing what is, uh, what is proven and it's timeless and eternal. That's the word of God. And also, my friends, you get it by these times of withdrawing. And to, so you have the quietness and you develop that confidence. Truth comes into your spirit. And that leads to verse 31. Verse 31, that quiet time produces the confidence. Verse 21, your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right hand or whenever you turn to the left. So pastor Stephen, I want to be a very confident person. Well, that comes from having a life that's established in truth. You'll never be confident if you're a liar. Why? It's going to create an underlying nervousness that eventually somebody is going to find out what was, you know, the lie that was told and that's going to unravel. And then it takes a, uh, takes a lie here to cover that lie. And so you can never have true confidence because your foundation is unstable. Praise the Lord. So that's why we want to be living in obedience to God's word, God's commandments and instructions, walking in truth, because that truth, which is being right, inspires very deep confidence. You can't be confident and be a coward at the same time. Confidence, fearless confidence, praise God. And so then when we're in that position, not, not when you're all frazzled, but when you're in that position, quiet, confidence, then you hear your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the, this is the way walk in it. And when you know which way to go and you know what you're supposed to be doing, that produces stronger and stronger confidence. Literally you come into that place of fearless confidence. Praise God. Praise God. Let me say this. Your calm confidence in God will never meet with failure. I want to say it again. Your calm confidence in God will never meet with failure. Praise the Lord. Look at an example of this in 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings 19 verse 4. But he that would be Elijah the prophet, he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree and he prayed there. He prayed that he might die and said, it is enough. Now, Lord, take my life for I am no better than my father's. What does he need? He's all uh, stressed out. Jezebel has uh, sent a message to him, a priority mail. He's opened it up. He's read the contents and it's got him all upset. It's got him all disturbed. And just before that, he was on the mountaintop experience. But now, 
Now he's, uh, he's on the run, so to speak. Verse 5, we start getting into the solution of the problem. Anytime there's a problem, God, al God always, always has a solution. Then as he lay and slept under a broom tree. It's amazing how your brain works a whole lot better when you're not wore out and physically exhausted. Sleep is a blessing from God. Yes, there are times when you can push yourself. And there is an area in your life where you can develop where you, you don't need as much sleep as you think you do. But even if you are highly developed in that area, you're still going to need some sleep. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. So sleep can really help you just with your, with an improved attitude and outlook on life. Then as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, arise and eat. Oh, praise the Lord. Amen. The good meal can also be a blessing to your soul, especially when it's cooked by an angel. And this is supernatural angel food. Then he looked and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him and said, arise and eat because the journey is too great for you. Let's drop down to verse nine. And there he went into a cave, into a cave, a nice, quiet, secluded cave. See in quietness and confidence, it's going to produce strength. It produces an ability to hear from God. And you need those times. You must have them there. They're essential. And there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. The word of the Lord came to him. Now there's going to be a, a conversation of course. And Elijah is going to, uh, in some ways we could say, pour out his complaint, but because he has now been rested, he has now been fed his mind is, is, is strong and stable, and he's, he's been refreshed. Now he hears the word of the Lord. Praise God. And we see that in verse 15. Then the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, anoint Haziel as king over Syria. Also you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. Whoo, praise God. See, this is a confident anointing. Well, Lord, I guess I just better pick somebody out. No, he knows who to pick out. He knows exactly what he's supposed to do. His commission has been given to him and he has complete confidence that uh, he is going to execute those assignments. Praise the Lord. Also, you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi as king over Israel and Elisha, the son of Shaphat of Abel, Mahola, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. It shall be that whoever escapes the sword of Haziel, Jehu will kill. And whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. God throughout church history, God throughout the uh, Old Testament history of his people has always worked through a remnant, and he has always had a remnant of those that will not bow to anything that the vile world system would try to get them to compromise or do that will be displeasing in the eyes of God. Praise the Lord. My friends, God wants you to have these times of calmness and quietness. Uh, he wants you to develop that confidence, meditating on his word and so forth. And then you will hear the word of the Lord, proclaim the word of God. And you can get very, very bold at times. I would even call it uh, like an outrageous confidence that uh, 
Well, somebody uh, unknowingly might, might even think, well, that's pride. No, it's not pride. It's a person who's confident in their God, and they know exactly uh, what they're doing. They're on assignment. They're, they're carrying that assignment out. And uh, it is very powerful when you see it displayed. Look at it in the life of Daniel. Daniel chapter 2. And as we look at this, let this be a picture of your life. Remember, Daniel had an excellent spirit. Woo! Hallelujah! And that's what confidence leads into. It leads into excellence. Praise God. Daniel chapter 2, verse 14. Then with counsel and wisdom, Daniel answered Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. And he answered and said to Arioch, the king's captain, Why is the decree from the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the decision known to Daniel. So Daniel has been told, uh, Daniel, um, hey, sorry, we're going to have to kill you, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, got to kill all of you, all the wise men. The king has given an order that he's had this dream, and, and uh, nobody has been able to interpret it, no, none of the wise men, so forth. And uh, so uh, we've started the killing process. It had already begun. And so uh, Daniel's like, whoa, this, this is crazy. So he asked to go speak to the king, verse 16. Watch this very carefully. Let this be a picture of your life. So Daniel went in and asked the king to give him time that he might tell the king the interpretation. <laughs> what, what is this? You know what this is? This is confidence on display. This is a man not walking in there. Oh, King, I, I understand you're having a real bad day and nobody's really able to help you out. And I, I don't know what I can do, I, you know, uh, but here I am to do the best I can, whatever that is. No, no. This is a man that walks before the king. The, the king, the, that king is the most powerful man on the face of the earth at that time. He walks in there and speaks to the king and he says, give me time. I'll, get you, I'll give you everything that you need to know. All I need is some time. Whoa, really? You can do this? Yeah. What did all the other wise men say? They said, King, what you've asked is not possible. It is not possible. Mm -mm. They actually got frustrated with the king and said, uh, the only ones that know this answer that you're asking are the gods and they don't, they don't dwell with men. That actually made the king angrier. <laughs> so when somebody says, hey, I can get you that answer. Just give me a little time. I mean, you're talking about some incredible confidence. What, what does he have? Confidence in his prophetic ability? No, confidence in God. Confidence in God. Mm -mm, that the God he serves can get that over to him. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let this strength of confidence that you see in the life of Daniel. Let that be something that you aspire to because you're destined like Daniel to shine as a star in the end time work of God's kingdom. Woo! Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. Look, when everybody else is saying we can't, we can't. And you say, Oh yes, we can. And we're going to do it. Trust me. You'll stand out. Mm -mm. God will come through for you. Praise the Lord. Isaiah chapter 36, we do know, of course, that there uh, is always a surrounding cast presented by the enemy that will give a voice uh, of negativity, that will give a voice that will say it can't be done. 
and uh, we have to be prepared to let uh, to have our shields of faith up so all those arrows of the enemy uh, bounce off. Praise God. Look at Isaiah chapter 36, verse 1. Now it came to pass in the 14th year, King Hezekiah, that Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came up against all the fortified cities of Judah and took them. So Assyria at that time was crushing everybody. There was, there was not a nation that could stand against the Assyrians. And the Assyrians eventually wiped out the Babylonians. That's how strong they were. Then the king of Assyria sent the Rabshakeh, the great army from Lachish to King Hezekiah at Jerusalem. So now King Hezekiah, uh, you know, they're at Jerusalem and they're totally surrounded by this massive army. And the, the king has sent the Rabshakeh, who is his uh, vocal spokesman. And you know that he's going to be a really good orator, a really good speaker. And he's, he can speak multiple languages. And he on purpose is going to speak Hebrew to the people to endeavor to infuse fear and doubt into their hearts. Verse 4, Then the Rabshakeh said to them, Say now to Hezekiah, Thus says the great king, the king of Assyria, What confidence is this in which you trust? There will be those that don't understand your confidence because they don't understand your God. They just think God's some kind of a, you know, a mysterious being way off in another cosmic universe you know, or something like that, or, or whatever. They, they just don't understand God, and they therefore don't understand you and your confidence in God. But I'm telling you, your confidence has a reward, and that's why you need to stick with it, because that reward so often is a public exhibition of God coming through for you and doing what you had confidence that God would do. Mm-mm. Verse 13, then the Rabshakeh stood and called out with a loud voice in Hebrew and said, hear the words of the great king of the kingdom of Assyria, blah, 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 blah. Don't let King Hezekiah deceive you, blah, 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 blah. Don't listen to uh, uh, King Hezekiah. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. Mm -hmm. What is all of that? It's an effort to strip the confidence of all of the guards, the soldiers that are on the walls, the Israeli soldiers, mm -hmm. Satan. He's going to be after your confidence because if he can get to it and negatively affect it, then it will touch areas of your destiny. Watch out. Watch out. Stay in the truth. When you stay in the truth and you have those abiding times of quietness and confidence, praise the Lord, then you'll keep hearing the word of the Lord. You'll keep moving forward with accurate, precise directions. That just bolsters your confidence, makes you stronger and stronger. And you keep your mind on things like this. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? To, the, well, to like rabshakas and all, all of that stuff. Here's what we say. If God is for us, who can be against us? Woo! If God is for us, who can be against us? By the way, you know, you know the ending of the story with the old rabshakas. <laughs> and that whole army, that massive army, they're all, they're all struck down. They're all struck down. By the way, King Hezekiah had a prophet in his corner, a man of God named Isaiah. And Isaiah's praying. Isaiah's praying. And Isaiah says, basically said, look, I've heard from God. 
King, don't worry about it. The Lord's going to deal with this situation. And did he ever deal with it? Mm -mm. The angel came. And my friends, God has angels to help you get things done that in the natural may seem impossible. It may seem like a moon launch endeavor. It may be the biggest project you've ever taken on in your life. But God doesn't want you to give up on your confidence. God wants you to continue to hold on because God's going to come through for you and this thing will be done praise God hallelujah and then you will no longer be tolerated then you will be celebrated Woo! praise the Lord they'll say man that, uh, he was right all the time can you believe that she got it done we didn't think she was ever going to get we just thought nobody could ever do that she fixed it Woo! praise the Lord confidence that's fearless mm -mm, I see you doing something that brings great glory to the Lord. Praise the Lord. How about this to inspire confidence? First John chapter four, verse four, you are of God, little children and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. The Rabshakas and those in darkness would think that they would have a stronger force. They don't know that in the eyes of God, those forces have all been defeated by the triumphant death, burial, mighty resurrection and ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ. The victory has already been won. The outcome has already been predetermined. When it's all said and done, we win because Christ has already won want it for us. Woo! Praise the Lord. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. What does that do? What does that do? Makes you confident. Makes you confident. So stay on assignment. Stay in your lane. Do what God has called you to do and do it with great confidence. I would even say fearless confidence. Praise God. And you will see God come through for you. Praise the Lord. Now, I see that because many of you are developing in this area, I see the voice coming. Uh, as it says in Isaiah, there's the voice that would speak uh, over your shoulder, into your ear, saying, this is the way to go. This is the way to walk. You're going to have those moments. You're going to have those moments. Praise God. I've, I've had those moments when the voice is internal, uh, and, it, and it seems very authoritative. That is the Holy Spirit. And it can like reverberate out like an inner microphone on the inside of you brought and you hear it. It almost in some ways could sound audible, uh, but that's because it's so authoritative. But when it's that voice coming from over your shoulder and your ear picks that up as if somebody were standing right next to you or behind you a little bit, that's the angel of the Lord. That could even be at times your personal angel or maybe a special messenger angel giving you the instructions on what it is that you are to do. This is the way. Walk this way. This is it. This is the one. This is the door. This is the opportunity. Go through it. Praise the Lord. And you go with confident boldness. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Praise the Lord Jesus today. Let us lift our hands and thank the Lord for bold confidence. Let us thank the Lord for fearless confidence. Father, we give you praise that even though the Jewish Christians written to by Paul in the book of Hebrews were going through great challenges with many uncertainties around them in a hostile uh, pagan environment that had great 
uh, great hatred towards believers, and even the Orthodox Jews at the time bringing great persecution upon the Christians. Father, we thank you that they were admonished to not throw away their confidence. And so, Father, we continue to have tremendous confidence in you for deliverance, for breakthroughs, for provision, for wisdom, for instruction, so that we will continue to move forward, forward, and know what to do in every situation. We thank you, Father God. We thank you for the voice speaking. We thank you for angelic help and angelic intervention. We give you praise, Father. We give you praise in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father God. Hallelujah. I want to just speak this verse to you. Let this be the word of the Lord to you. Your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right hand or whenever you turn to the left, angels helping you to stay on that path. Woo, praise the Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Father, we give you praise. Thank you for your anointing. Thank you for your leadership anointing. You're calling many of your people into roles of leadership. I hear the Lord saying it's a new day. It is a new day. It's a new season. Many of you, uh, the Lord has allowed you to have many wonderful experiences, much training, much training. But I see the Lord opening new things and that this is the Isaiah 43 new day experience. Praise God. We're right there at it. Let's take a look at it just for a moment. Praise the Lord. Glory to the Lord. Mm -mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the breakthrough. Praise God. Hallelujah. Verse 19. Behold, I will do a new thing. And I like what the Lord said right before it. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. So I see the Lord taking you into, many of you, into something new. And it could even have the same, the same flavor, it's the same concept, but it's going to be done in a different way. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. And there's there's an anointing on that word now. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you know it? Yes, you shall. Praise God. I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. In other, in other words, God's going to do things that may seem impossible, but he's going to do it for you. So be confident because the Lord is with you. Praise the Lord. You know, it says in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, let's turn over there just for a moment. Praise the Lord. It says that God was with Jesus. And that's something that's very important. When you, when you sense that the Lord is with you, it produces great confidence. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. The Apostle Paul told Timothy that whether he's in season or out of season, you know, stay faithful, preach the word. What does that mean, in season, out of season? Well, first of all, it means that your seasons can change. And you can have uh, seasons in your life where you feel like, you know, maybe things aren't as busy as they used to be. Well, it could be that God knows that you have to take care of something 
uh, maybe there's a certain responsibility now that you have to extend yourself over here and the Lord sees that. So he kind of, he covers you and gives you a little bit of a break where you can take care of something that, that is essential. Maybe it's a family matter or something like that. And so you could be in season, you could be out of season, but my friends, for many of you, there is a time rolling around where you're about to go full on in season. The Lord's going to do the new thing. Why? It's time for the in season thing. Praise God. Glory to God. And that also, uh, even if you're out of season, doesn't mean that God isn't with you. It just means that's a different season of your life. But here with Jesus, it's all out. The ministry is going full speed ahead. It would be for the businessman, businesswoman. The business is now, boom. It's not just a spark. It's on fire. It's taken off. And, or, or somebody else getting into their calling and everything moving the way that it should. And here we see again, it says, for God was with him. Well, knowing that, what does that produce? It produces an outrageous, fearless confidence. Why? You know, God's with you. Mm-hmm. God's moving. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It's just like the surfer riding the wave. You know, this is the wave. This is the one. You're up. You're on your board. God's with you. And you enjoy the moment. Praise God. Now, Father, we thank you. Let the anointing be there for the new season. Let them enter into it with confidence. It's not the way it used to be. This is the new season. And you're with them. Things are working. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for a confident expectation that things will work the way they're supposed to. Some of you have a confident expectation that it's going to fall apart. I'm saying today, shift all of that into the biblical mentality of a biblical, fearless confidence. And so, Father, I thank you for that knowing that there will be signs to confirm it. God does absolutely release at times by his own divine selecting He'll do these supernatural confirming proofs of validation that he's with you. Very, very interesting. I, I know that when the, uh, what were their last names? The uh, two brothers from England, just before their ministries took off, particularly one of the brothers, uh, the Jeffries brothers, I believe it was, uh, I can't remember if it was George or Stephen, but there was a supernatural sign that took place in one of their meetings where the face of Jesus and the face of a lamb were projected onto a wall. And there was no, you know, power, you know, screens or anything like that, no video monitors or anything like that, but it was supernaturally placed there by God. And it stayed there for about 48 hours, if I'm correct. And The man of God knew that's a sign that God is with me and it's time to move out in the ministry. And the Lord began to do miracles. And those two men filled the largest meeting rooms around the world, just packed them out. Why? Because God was with them. God was with Jesus. And I, I see the Lord being with you in a very tangible way that you know. And when you know that he's with you, again, you're, you're back to that place of confidence. Now you could see why the enemy would like to take that confidence Because that's also, there's momentum, there's energy, there's joy, all involved with that. So guard your confidence and stay in the truth. Confidence is based on being right. 
stay in the truth and also have those times of quietness quietness and confident confidence that's the strength that you need hearing the Lord so father we give you praise we give you all of the glory we thank you for the new day new season anointing to move forward in confidence father bless your people in Jesus name we pray amen praise the Lord my friends when my life's journey is complete I'm confident of going to heaven and being with Jesus hallelujah if you're watching today and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior you've never surrendered your life to him or perhaps you're watching today and you used to serve the Lord but you have fallen away from God and you're off in sin and you're a long ways from God I'm speaking to you today to come back to the Lord and for the lost for you to receive Christ if you're in that situation pray this prayer right now say Lord Jesus I surrender my life to you forgive me of all of my sins cleanse me from all unrighteousness I give my life completely to you thank you Lord Jesus now take me now as Savior be my Savior and Lord thank you Jesus thank you in your name I pray amen and amen praise God now be confidently assured that your name is written in the book of life praise the Lord that is the most important thing that you would ever need to know and the Holy Spirit is bearing witness with you that your life is now right with God that inward witness the confident witness praise the Lord that is the thing that you could be more confident than anything else which is what that you're born again mm -mm. the Holy Spirit Spirit bears witness that we are children of God that is a very confident knowing praise the Lord well the Holy Spirit is moving my friends let's receive Holy Communion together as a church family as ministry friends from around the world let's take communion grab some unleavened bread some grape juice let's pray over it Heavenly Father thank you for the bread the juice we bless it we set it apart as holy through this prayer we give you praise this is now the flesh and blood of Jesus father as we receive the flesh of Christ we thank you that doubts and uncertainties dissolve and we stand confidently in the truths of your word and just knowing with confidence that you are with us thank you and if you're with us who could be against us father we give you praise we thank you in Jesus name amen let's receive the body of the Lord you know one of the things that is so frustrating to the enemy is when he tries to rattle you and shake your confidence it doesn't do anything <laughs> It's like the Rabshaka thinking uh, it, it's not getting through to them. I'm trying to intimidate them and make them afraid it's, uh, it's not working. Woo! We're talking about a strong confidence. Standing on the rock says in the Psalms that we are confident because we are as Mount Zion. We are built upon the rock. And of course when you go upon Mount Moriah you realize wow this whole thing is just a solid rock mountain. Praise God. That's our confidence. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. 
We're confident in its mighty cleansing ability to take all of our sins away. And that our sins and our iniquities, you remember no more, no more. We're confident that the blood is more than enough to bring the cleansing that we need. Father, we ask that you would forgive us all our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We ask that you would lead us away from temptation and deliver us from the evil one. Father, we forgive anybody who has sinned against us. We forgive and we let that go. Now we give you praise. Thank you for the blood and its mighty power. In Jesus' name, let's receive now. Praise the Lord. Somebody is positioned for a breakthrough. Somebody is positioned to break through. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. Now, Father, let your people be empowered with confidence. And we thank you. We give you all of the praise because these are your attributes that you are instilling, infusing into your people and to the end time, to the end time people, the sons of God manifested in the earth. Father, we bless you and praise you for your confidence in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for watching today. I look forward to seeing you back next time. And thank you again for helping us to finish the parking lot. And thank you also for your participation and other projects that we're involved in to expand God's kingdom around the world for the glory of the Lord to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. See you back next time.